I love what you say about how you started really small and just gradually worked up, like adding one minute on the elliptical every day and walking first three days a week and then going a little bit farther. And and with the meals too, not trying to do everything all at once. Because I think so many times maybe people get we get inspiration to to make a change and we try to do everything all at once and take on too much and then we crash and burn. And so I think just hearing your strategy, it, it sounds like a very healthy way to approach this. Yeah. And, and I wasn't perfect the whole time. Like I remember, I felt like the first like 50 pounds came off. I feel like the easiest, but I didn't, when I look at like some people's weight loss stories and they lose like a whole bunch of weight really quickly. That was never my story. It took over a year to lose the big bulk of my weight, which was at the time about 90 pounds. And it was just inching my way. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. This episode is one of a series of Pursuing Health stories. Here, I feature the inspiring stories of regular, everyday people who've used lifestyle to overcome some incredible health challenges. But before I dive in, I do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. I recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. Hey there. In this week's story episode, I am sitting down with Carrie McCall, who is a longtime member of the Pursuing Health community, and she shares her story of weight loss and finding her confidence through fitness. We chat about her background and how the loss of her mother at an early age shaped her views on health and the medical system how she manages emotional eating, and why she considers herself a professionally scaled athlete. I am so excited that Carrie has been willing to share her story here with all of you. It's inspiring to me to see her transformation, and I hope it will help you or your loved ones who know they may need to make a change but aren't quite sure how to get started. Just one reminder before we get into the episode, if you are looking for holiday gift ideas, don't forget about our Pursuing Health store. Giving the gift of a Morning 5 subscription to a friend or family member may be just what they need to take a baby step forward to improving their own health. We also have Pursuing Health t-shirts, sweatshirts, and even onesies for your little ones and gift cards as well. Check them out at pursuing-health.com forward slash shop. Now let's get started with the episode. Well, welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm excited to be here with Carrie McCall today. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, And I have loved reading your story and getting to know you a little bit before this, but I'm excited to dive in here and to give our listeners um, some more insight into your story and your path. I think maybe we could just start off with your life as a kid, because even coming into the world, the first couple of years of life, you faced a lot more challenges than most. Um, so maybe we could just start there. Yeah, I I'm definitely had some challenges right from the start when I I grew up outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, and was born to two parents. And but shortly after I turned um, 15 months old, my biological mother passed away, and um, that kind of shaped my future and my thinking on health and kind of transformed things. But I grew up and my dad remarried and I love my stepmom to pieces, raised us like she was her own and cared deeply for us. But I noticed when I was around third, fourth grade, like I didn't look like everyone else. I 
I was overweight and grandma used to just say, oh, you're just big boned. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those where you're like, you try, like grandma will always try to make you feel good, but like you looked around and no one else looked like, looked like you. And my stepmom, who I love to pieces, was concerned at the time. And she decided to like try to get me more active. And it wasn't like, I didn't grow up with a house like with video games or like Mm-hmm. lots of fast food or anything like that. My mom cooked. Um, we ate a pretty normal-ish diet for that time. But like I kept gaining weight. And so I played sport. I tried to play sports. I wasn't good at sports. And then I hated gym class growing up because I always felt so embarrassed about uh, my performance. Like I couldn't keep up with the other kids and kids would mock me for um, being the last one to finish. Like I remember doing the mile run in PE class and just crying because I was the last one to finish and people were laughing and I'm just like trying to walk fast and like was just miserable the entire time. I think I am quoted to say like the mile run was a cruel and unusual punishment <laughs> for, for a first grader, but I think so. yeah, I didn't, <laughs> but I didn't enjoy it and it was awful. And I just um, didn't feel great about it. And then at the same time, my brother, who is um, 15 months, um, about 10, 15 months younger than me, he, he, did, he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Mm. And then I just became pretty fearful of like, I was afraid I was going to catch diabetes. Like not understanding the way things were as a kid, like you see like, you see that your your mom has died. My my biological mom was twenty three wow. when she passed away, and not understanding like that what she had wasn't genetic, and that it was just like a f- crazy instance, and that you don't really just catch type one diabetes. Like it wasn't contagious. Um, I'm just so fearful, and I didn't have like a good mindset around anything around the medical field, like. I was terrified of going to the doctor. Yeah, I can see. Growing up. Yeah, that's really, if you think about it, really traumatizing in a lot of ways, just seeing, you know, what happened to your mom and then your brother. And of course, at that age, not even really being able to understand what all of it means or what where diabetes comes from or what, what it was involved. And then having to, you know, to try and understand why you look different when you're going to school and kids are making fun of you. I mean, that sounds really, really tough. Yeah, it, and it, it was, it, and I learned to like during that time, the whole time I learned to just bottle up my feelings and I learned how to eat my feelings. Like I was really, really good at eating my feelings. And so as I m- went through high school, like I didn't place, I didn't, there was no way I was playing sports. Um, I let the limitations of my weight um, dictate things I tried. Like I went from being a very confident um, kid in elementary school to like this shy person who like hid away um, in high school because I didn't I didn't want to be in front of anyone. I didn't want people I didn't want people looking at me, let alone like have their attention focused on me. Because when people did look at me, it usually was out of criticism or or fear. So. And that's what I carried on when I went to college. Like I, I, oh, college was in the food situation in college. Good, very good cafeteria. I will say that college was great. Like 
but something I didn't have growing up much of because my brother was a type one diabetic, we didn't have soda or pop in our house growing up. It was a very special treat. Like I remember Easter, we would get a 12 pack of pop mm-hmm. and that, and we had to share it between three of us. And it was, of course it was diet because of my brother. And, but like here I go to college and there's, um, everywhere. there's everywhere, like it's free flowing in the cafeteria and you can get it. And I drank a lot of it and I was like, Oh, this is great. And sweet tea. Cause I went to school in the South and you, you get addicted to sweet tea and you're drinking. Like I was consuming a lot of sugar. I remember oh, too, the ice cream machines thinking like, this is amazing. There's an ice cream machine. You can get ice cream with every meal. <laughs> yes. Well, and that was one of the things I did like to cope with stress and like, um, my own, um, problems. Like I would often go to dinner and eat only dessert mm-hmm. for dinner. Or like I would make like a pasta salad thinking I was doing great eating vegetables and pasta covered in dressing. I was doing great. And then I would often get like three things, different desserts. And like there's ice cream at every meal. And I was like, this is heaven. (laughs) Sugar (laughs) everywhere. And like the highlight of my week was like Tuesday, Thursday lunch, they served warm chocolate chip cookies. And it's sad that I still remember that it's it was Tuesday and Thursday. We had warm chocolate chip cookies, but that's what I did. Like I became very, very good at hiding my emotions and eating my feelings to mask like everything else, like from growing up and like the feelings that, like when people made fun of me, even in college, like I, I still remember being teased mm-hmm. by people and we had a debate over like Coke versus Pepsi and my friend like made the comments like, well, Coke is just going to make you fat er. And I like, I pushed him off the sidewalk and then I like went off to class, like in tears, just like, cause I knew he was right. Like I knew what I was doing wasn't good for my health, but I was in so much denial. And if I, you know, if I never went to the doctor, they couldn't tell me anything bad was going to happen to me. Like, you, you can ignore your problems and, right. and pretend like they're not going to happen. And so that's the mentality. I went through college in the first part, like after graduating college was like, I just ignore my problems. No one can tell me I have diabetes. No one can tell me that I'm going to die at 23. Cause that's kind of in my head. I was, con- I had convinced myself that, you know, I'm not going to live very long. Like my sure. mom didn't even. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, might as well live it up now. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. How, how else do you think that affected your experience just through high school and college? Like how you interacted with people or how, like opportunities that maybe you did or didn't do because of what you were going through. I think I, I didn't allow myself to experience, like I had great, I had some great friends in college, but I always sat on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't try things. I always had a good excuse for not wanting to do something if I felt slightly awkward or like the attention was going to be on me. And so I like in elementary school, I loved like theater and I was in musicals and I would do solos and things like that. But like once high school hit, like pretty much all that shut down and I didn't allow myself to do it anymore. You didn't have as much confidence as you did. Yeah. 
Now, eventually, it sounds like you had sort of a an epiphany moment. Um, can you talk about that, or when when did this the maybe it wasn't just one moment, but when did the switch flip in that you decided, okay, I think I want to change the way that I'm doing some things. Yeah, I. It was a couple years after college, and I was ironically sitting with my roommate watching Biggest Loser and eating McDonald's because, you know, the, the dollar menu, that's pretty much what we lived off of. Yeah. And I was sitting there eating, and then I don't remember whose story they were telling, and I kind of had this epiphany of like, hey, I outlived my mom. Mm. Like, I'm 25. Mm-hmm. I outlived my mom by two years. Maybe I'm not going to die early. Hmm. And then at the same time, my dad was on a weight loss journey and he had started losing weight and he got down to his low weight was my high weight. Okay. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to let my dad weigh less than me. Hmm. And so that kind of sparked the like, okay, I got to do something. And I didn't know what it was at the time. And I don't, I'm pretty sure I didn't start right away, but that was like the spark that, that got me started. Yeah. And very, very cool to see how your dad was a motivator for you too. And how, you know, the other people in your life that are important to you can be motivators. Even, you know, I'm, I don't know if he was someone who you talked to about this a lot, but just by kind of making changes in his own life, he inspired you to also want to change some things. Yeah, so definitely. And and that's why I feel like is important to me is like the relationships I have now. Like I don't know who I'm going to influence by the decisions I choose to make, whether not just in weight loss um, and health, but in all aspects of my life, people are watching me. And um, yeah, and so that was. Yeah, it definitely, you never know who, how you're going to impact other people just by living your own life. It's amazing. So you, you started to think about it. And then what was your approach? Obviously, you start at square one, and then it's evolved a lot over the years. Yeah. What was your approach in the beginning? Step one was walking. Like, I decided I was going to walk, like, three times a week. Mm-hmm. And so for three times a week, I just went on a walk. Mm-hmm. And each day, I would go, like, okay, I can go a little bit further. And then that eventually became, oh, let's try – the elliptical. Let's see what I can do on the elliptical. Um, first time I couldn't even go like five minutes. And then I was like, so I remember like, it was like the month of February. I was like, well, let's add a minute each day. And so I, I slowly built up that and then started introducing like, um, good old, um, DVDs, fitness DVDs and, um, just with some body weight movement. Cause I had no clue. I, I did not, a did not pay attention in gym class. Um, I would have failed gym class in high school if it wasn't for the written test, mm-hmm. um, because I didn't, yeah, exercise was not my thing <laughs> and I hated it. Uh, I was so glad in college when I took my one PE, which was horseback riding. Oh, cool. and, and then that was it. And I didn't have to do gym ever again in my life. And so I just started small and like at the time, like biggest loser was like big on TV. And so I started like a, kind of researching the things um, they were doing and looking for options. And so it was just about getting myself to move because I, I didn't move. Like I went to work and I had some activity in my j- job, but 
not much. And then I would come home and I would sit on the couch and watch TV. And so I was just getting myself moving. And then the next step was just like learning calories and like what I was putting in my body. And because for me, like it was the overconsumption of food in the first place and learning what serving sizes were. And, and I will say like in the beginning, I he heavily relied on like the diet foods of um, the the lean cuisines and the things like that. And then, and it took a while to like slowly build up like, okay, I'm going to research recipes. I'm going to eat real food. Um, and there's always a diet fad at the time of, and I don't remember what the thing was. It's like, well, if I just do everything in moderation, like if I stick in the middle, I'll, I'll do pretty good. And so it was learning to like cook. I knew how to cook, but like I wasn't cooking much for myself. Like I didn't take my lunch regularly to work. So I would like go to work and I work all day and then I'd come home and just eat whatever and eat a lot. And so learning to eat meals and, and just time things out. I love what you say about how you started really small and just gradually worked up, like adding one minute on the elliptical every day and walking first three days a week and then going a little bit farther. And, and with the meals too, not trying to do everything all at once because I think so many times maybe people get, we get inspiration to, to make a change and we try to do everything all at once and take on too much and then we crash and burn. And so I think just hearing your strategy, it, it sounds like a very healthy way to approach this. Yeah. And, and I wasn't perfect the whole time. Like I remember, I felt like the first like 50 pounds came off. I feel like the easiest, but I didn't, when I look at like some people's weight loss stories and they lose like a whole bunch of weight really quickly. That was never my story. Like it took over a year to lose the big bulk of my weight, which was at the time about 90 pounds. And it was just inching my way. And I remember like I'd taken a job in the middle of this and is when I first like started working out in an actual gym. Like I had already lost a good chunk of weight before I even stepped foot in the gym because someone like me walking into the gym, like it, the gym setting was just so intimidating. A, I don't even know what half these things do. I don't know what to do. Like I know how to do cardio, mm -hmm. which is so ironic now because <laughs> I hate, hate cardio. Um, but I only knew how to um, walk or like follow someone else's instructions and what to do for movement. And, and that's why I tell people, I was like, because people ask me like what you do like first like I lost the first 50 pounds doing very little in some people's eyes like I didn't go gun ho yeah and then you you just mentioned when you first did going to gym for the first time a globo gym and I think you mentioned that you started working with a trainer what was that like what what led you to actually decide to join a gym and then what was it like working with a trainer for the first time well, the gym aspect was like, I moved into a neighborhood where like I couldn't walk outside and I didn't have space um, to do stuff at home. And so I was like, and it was near work. And so I was like, oh, I could just easily like after work, I could just go here. And then of course, most Globo gyms will try, like they, they want the sale. And so they always send their personal training department <laughs> after you to entice you with their um, first free session. And so I tried it and I was like, 
I honestly don't know what I'm doing and I could benefit from like someone teaching me how to do things. And I loved working with my trainer. I've learned over the years that I am very motivated and I do very well in a workout. If I can banter with someone, mm. if I can like complain or like just like sass during yeah. a workout, like it's just very like motivating for me. Like it just, I feed off that energy. And so they, I love my trainer and, and it was through another trainer I ended up working with there that I, I learned more about CrossFit. He did CrossFit and he decided to, um, one day he was like, let's deadlift. I'm like, what's a deadlift? <laughs> like, cause you know, I was just doing those little, little weight machines, just some lunging and yeah. things like that. And so he's like, yeah, let's try this. And I remember the first time he, he's like, let's see how, let's, let's just play. Let's see how heavy you can go. And I just remember how I felt mm -hmm. after like I, at that time I was at my lowest weight and I deadlifted more than my body weight. And I was like, what? Like That's I can do this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, and it felt good. And it like, it was very empowering and I loved, and I loved that feeling of like, oh, I can do this. And it just changed the way I carried myself. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I can do this. Like I can do other things that are hard in my life as well. And so it just like, this is a snowball effect. And so he would, he did a lot of CrossFit style um, workouts um, with me. And then I ended up moving. I, right before I decided to go to seminary, I ended up moving to take a more uh, pastoral type position and, and I was saving and I was saving money at the time. So I had to find a new gym. I like, that's when I did my first like CrossFit intro class. Mm -hmm. But at the time, like the budget just, I was like, I got to save money. I can't spend money right now. And so I picked up a book. Um, I was like, well, so I, like, I really like this lifting thing. Mm -hmm. I got to teach myself how to lift. And so I ended up joining a small little gym and taught myself the basics of squatting, deadlifting, and I loved it. And it was so empowered by it. And I felt like when I went into seminary, I like was feeling great about myself mm -hmm. and like I can conquer the world yeah. with all of it. And, and that's, and I had gone up in weight from that. Like I wasn't at my lowest weight, but I was at a good weight and I felt I was stronger. Like, cause when I look back at my, um, my first before and after photos, like I see myself at that lowest weight and I don't look healthy there. Like I, my, my eyes are sunken in, like my, my hair was actually falling out in places cause I had eaten such a low calorie diet at the time cause I was afraid to add calories. But once I started lifting and lifting makes you hungry. And so like eating more and I put on some, some mass, which was great. So I, I went into seminary feeling fabulous. Like, Hey, I can do this. <laughs> I got this. I can lift heavy weights and it's awesome. <laughs> I can lift heavy weights. Like, and I found it was such a good outlet for my mental health. Like I, I tend to be on the side of the more anxious and learning to, um, just learning how to like let that all out at the gym and then go back to life. That's great. Really great. What led you to go to seminary? I have known for a long time that I had, I felt a strong calling to, um, 
just love people and serve God. And I knew um, I served in different like pastoral type positions. I was a um, youth pastor. And with my particular denomination, I love that include all age groups. And it was a holistic ministry. And um, we serve the underserved. Most of our congregations are lower income families. Um, A lot of times we do a lot with the homeless. And so I just like had a strong calling to serve Mm -hmm. those people. And and it was also like just very eye-opening to see the struggles they went through, like just for basic um, health, like getting basic necessities of food. And I just loved, loved, loved what my denomination was doing in those areas. And so um, I went from, and I had, I'd been working for my denomination prior to going to their seminary. And so I'd been involved, but I felt like I could be more of an instrument of change if I was in a leadership position. And so I bit the bullet because <laughs> I always said I never would. <laughs> no, no, no. And when you tell God, no, <laughs> he tells you. He finds other ways to, uh, he, fi- he finds, he finds ways to get you back to where like he wants you yes. to be. That's great. So what is involved in seminary? Like how, what was the time frame, And then what was that? I know that probably posed some other challenges and stresses during that time. So what was that time period like? With my particular, every denomination has different requirements, but with my particular denomination, we have our own school and it's a two year program. So you live on campus with all your classmates, they do two sessions. So when I was there, my um, first year, there was um, 120 students on campus. So it's a very small experience. Um, my second year was even smaller. So you're, we call it the fish bubble because like everyone can see like everything you're doing, like everyone's in everyone's business. It's a great big family. And with family comes all the family drama and all that stuff. So we, yeah, it was a very interesting um, experience, but like, and part of it, like you like usually sell your belongings. Um, and like, I didn't have a car then I didn't have. Um, so we relied on like vehicles that um, they provide it and things like that. So you're in this environment where you're like, you kind of lose a lot of your own personal control. Mm-hmm. And for me, I found that to be like really challenging. And then we had a gym and it was a very small like room. It was smaller than my apartment and it had some treadmills. I had a leg press machine and then it had um, a Smith machine and then like no weights. <laughs> <laughs> there was a rusty barbell in the corner. And I remember one time like just crying. I was like, I can't squat. Like, no, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? And so like I ended up doing a lot of cardio, but it, I described this phase of my life as learning the very important fact that you can out, uh, you can out eat your training because in my second year, like I just let the stress of like everything, like academics, like trying to like, have a good appearance to everyone. And I worked out like nobody's business. I did a lot of cardio, not a lot of lifting, but I did love cardio. And I think during that time I PR'd my, my runtime. I've never run under a 10 minute mile ever again in my life, mm-hmm. but I had no desire to either right now. <laughs> but like it was, but yet I put on 30 pounds in my second year because I was like, you can control everywhere I have to be, all this stuff in my life right now, but you cannot control what I eat. And I, so I went back to that habit of like, 
eating my emotions. You can't tell me <laughs> that I can't have two pieces of cake for dinner. Right. Right. And, and so like I was, I was even voted like most likely to be found in the gym, <laughs> but I had gained 30 pounds and it was just so soul crushing. Mm -hmm. And like when I got, when I finished and I look, I look back at the photos of my ordination and I go, wow, what happened? Like, cause like I see like, cause they took photos like when you come in and we get ordained and like, I look very different. Like I lost some of that confidence that I had gained and I was once again hiding um, in the back corner and I, and then I put on 30 pounds of weight and it was, I had left when I left there, I was like, I got to do something like this. Like I can't keep going down or I'm just going to become that statistic of being that person who regains all the weight they lost. Wow. Well, it, I, I like how you framed it where everything, there was so much that was outside of your control during that time. And I think that's so true for a lot of people when, you know, food or exercise or things that oftentimes we can feel like we have control over, whether it's one extreme or the other. And in situations where we're under a lot of stress or where we don't have a lot of control over the rest of the things that are happening in our lives, um, it's very I think comforting or easy to turn to. Yeah. And I think we're all like taught, especially in our culture, like food. Oh yeah. It's taught to be like a comforting thing and it's yeah. Or for comfort or for. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, of course I'm going to turn to food. And for me, it's sugar. Like I love, love cake. That's my favorite food. <laughs> me too. Chocolate. I think the chocolate. <laughs> for me i make a mean chocolate cake <laughs> oh man i would love to try that <laughs> um okay so you so you finish seminary and you tell yourself okay we have to change the trajectory here i don't want to continue down this path so where did you go next i that's why i got pointed to what which is now where i refer to as home it, which is charleston south carolina um, i was appointed there as my first appointment and Initially, I wasn't happy about what, because in our denomination, they tell you where you're going to go. And so you have no say. And so I was like, I wasn't exactly happy about where I was going, but I knew I needed an outlet. I knew I needed um, something to get back on track. Mm -hmm. And during my time in seminary, I ended up like following like more of CrossFit stuff online. And I kept telling myself, once I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try CrossFit. And, and so I did, I found, I just Googled search CrossFit. The first one that answered my phone call, um, was the one who got my membership. <laughs> and so, so and for people listening, who may yes, <laughs> yes. Answer your emails and phone calls. <laughs> it's very important. And so I had went, the gym was doing a special at the time and they were doing free fundamentals. And I had the privilege of doing fundamentals one-on-one um, -on -one with the owner and the coach. And I remember, and, I, and at the same time, I actually joined the Globo gym too. Cause I didn't know, I was like, I don't know how this, this CrossFit thing's going to paint out. Like if I, like initially I was like, I'll go like twice a week, like uh, make some friends, like try some new things. But like once you, yeah, once you get in, <laughs> your one to two days a week turns into 
five, six. Yeah. <laughs> and so like I remember like I remember when I started and like did my fundamentals, like I just rem- back there's a magic behind that barbell. Mm-hmm. My feeling of that barbell in my hand, like just like I was so nervous every time before I went in. Like I I would at that time I would go in the afternoon and so like all day I'd be looking like at the workout, like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? Like, what's a muscle up? Like, uh, (laughs) and so like, I would, and I would worry about it. And like, I would research and uh, figure out, but I just found that like the community was just so great. Like, I remember my first partner workout Mm -hmm. and like, A, being new, like, A, who's going to partner with me? Like, who wants to partner with a new kid and who can't do like half the stuff? I remember like just how supportive people were like even though I wasn't the best athlete people were willing to partner with me and to cheer me along and yeah and I drank the Kool-Aid <laughs> I I got I got suckered in and just and it there's nothing magical about the movements like it's but it's the community that was like and for the first time and I can say since probably college, I had a social life, like, mm-hmm. and it was around people who had similar goals and health aims. And so, like, instead of instead of like spending all night eating, uh, watching TV, and eating fast food, it was like, hey, let's go do this activity or let's um, let's hang out. And so, I was around other people who were also talking the same stuff I was talking about. People were talking about like the quality of their food, which up until then, like. I still like, I still didn't understand the importance of like, like eating quality food. I was like, I was still more geared towards that low calorie mindset. And it was during my time in CrossFit. I was like, Oh no, we got to eat good stuff (laughs) and we got to fuel our workouts. And yeah, I was like, Oh yeah, I got to eat. And so I was able to lose that weight, but like still, even in that time period, I had, had learned different stressors would pop up and I could see the, like how heavily I was impacted by external stressors. And when I felt like I didn't have any control over a situation, that's when my emotional eating um, would come back up. And that's when I would reach for things that weren't, weren't real food and I would eat my emotions. And so it's, it's been a journey. Like people want to assume that like you're going to drop the weight and it's all gone. And then it's done. And, and it's done. But yeah, it was, and it was through that, like, okay, like learning about my health and like doing my own research, finding podcasts to listen to that share information, like quality information. Okay, this is good. And then I eventually found a doctor, <laughs> like it, which after is being afraid of doctors for so long. After being afraid of doctors for so long, to actually like find someone you can trust and be like, okay, like there's stuff I have to deal with and we're going to deal with it. Or like, or like just like calming those anxieties of like, okay, there's nothing to worry about. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you don't have to Google stop Googling. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Especially in this current season of life that we're dealing with in the pandemic. It's good to have someone in your back pocket. (laughs) It is is when there's, so many anxieties for everyone. Yeah. When it relates to our health. I love the description when you start, when you talked about doing the team workout at 
the CrossFit gym and just how that just made me think of what a different experience that was versus being in gym class when you were a kid. And yeah, even though maybe you were new and you didn't know all the movements, you still had a supportive community there instead of yeah. feeling like, you know, everyone was laughing at you or, or you were like, you know, an outsider. Yeah. Instead of someone laughing at you because you're the last to finish, mm-hmm. you had people cheering you on and um, cheering your name. Like, people talk about it all the time, but until you experience it, like it, it just means the world. Like I know, like I'm not the stereotypical CrossFit athlete. I have no desire to do a muscle up. Like it's just yeah. not going to happen. I, I don't, I don't even want to work towards that. I may never get a double under. <laughs> I want to, but like <laughs> we got some time for that. Yeah. Um, you have plenty of time for that. Yeah. Plenty of time for that. But I like to call, like I'm a professional scaled athlete. If there's like a division in the games ever for professional scaled athletes, like I got you. Like I am there. And so like even for like someone like me, like I I'm there for longevity. Like I'm there because it feels good to work out. And if I never win a workout, like I don't care. And but like to be able to work out next to the the strongest person in the gym. And they're doing the, the same or similar things as you and they're cheering you on and supporting you. Like, yeah, it's, it, it changed my entire mentality around working out. I remember running into my high school gym teacher, um, probably about four or five years ago, I had lost my weight and he knew I had been exercising and he had, he, had, he saw me, he laughed. He's like, I knew you would eventually find something. <laughs> that, that motivated you. And it's like, gym class just wasn't it. Yeah. Bas- <laughs> Peewee basketball wasn't it. <laughs> wasn't it. But like, um, we each have to find something. We all, there's something for everyone. Yeah. So, I, and people ask me, like, I get, I get picked on all the time amongst my colleagues. There's three of us that I know of that do CrossFit. Um, we went from two to three recently. and like people like think what I'm doing is like sometimes they'll look and like you're crazy or like they think I'm like some weird person for it, but they'll laugh like, Oh, how Carrie does Carrie just cross it. But really like when you find something that you enjoy doing, I don't care if you like to do Zumba. I tried Zumba. I'm not coordinated. Like I feel awkward dancing, like didn't like it, but if that's what motivates you and that you're excited to go do every day, that's going to make the difference. It's not the magic behind um, what you do. Now, I personally believe like CrossFit's awesome. Everyone should do it, but I know not everyone is going to do it. Like there are people who are just always going to be intimidated. Um, and there's people, there's barriers for um, being able to do it. I'm excited about some of those barriers coming down soon, but like, yeah, it's still, it's a financial commitment. It's one that even for me, like it's, I sacrifice other things just so I can do CrossFit or to invest more in my health. People go, well, what else do you do? I, I don't go to movies. Like when the first movie comes out, like I, I put my money away and like I use it for things that go towards my health and invest in my health instead of always satisfying the immediate need. Mm-hmm. 
What are some of the thing, the biggest things that you think you've learned about yourself or that you've surprised yourself about as you've gone through this whole journey? I think the biggest thing is like I can do hard things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can do hard things. And whether it's, I remember the first time I climbed a rope and I, I, I told myself for so many years that I was scared of heights and, and like digging back between the layers, realizing that was my weight, like excess weight talking. Like I, I didn't want to put myself in a situation where like, I didn't try th- something like climbing a rope because I was afraid of people watching me or like, um, or the safety things failing because I weighed too much. But I remember the first time I climbed a rope and I was like, like I was just amazed with myself or the, the first time, like even going upside down was a challenge for me. And uh, her coach who she would always, she, she was big into gymnastics. We, our gym was very focused on gymnastics at the time. And she's always like, and I wouldn't do it. And I finally did it. And like now I can, well, Right now I cannot kick up to the wall <laughs> due to injury, but I like just the feeling of being able to do that or like the first time I was able to do like a uh, handstand push up or um, working on my toes to bar, like just like, Oh, you can do hard things. You can endure a hot, long workout. The workout always ends like whether you get time capped yeah. or like you finish, like the workout always ends and but I can push through it and I can get through it. And so that's transferred over into the rest of my life where like I'm going through hard situations and I'm like, okay, I can do hard things. Mm-hmm. I can do hard things. And I have a friend who constantly like repeats that back to me when I'm like having my moment yeah. of like, Oh no, like it's like, you can do hard things. You've done hard things and you're going to do hard things. Cause let's be real. This year's not been fun. <laughs> it, it's, um, I've had some challenges in the last, um, year even before COVID Mm -hmm. and then right now currently healing from an injury and you're just like when you get frustrated it's like oh yeah I can do hard things I can do hard things I can get through it and it just and it just brought out like a part of me that I just hid I hid away for so long Mm -hmm. like I was ashamed to let my who like real Carrie is like I would keep it away for my like close-knit pockets of friends and I wouldn't share it with the rest of the world. And I would, I would quiet my voice and, and I'm like, I'm not quiet. Like I like to talk. Mm-hmm. I might be introvert, but like, I like to talk to people. I, I am sassy. Like I have attitudes sometimes. I will roll my eyes at you if I think you're, <laughs> you're being ridiculous. And so it just allowed a lot of my personality to like resurface mm-hmm. and, and I don't, feel ashamed for tucking it away. That is beautiful. That is so amazing. How has your experience with CrossFit impacted the way that you approach your ministry now? It's been eye-opening because when I look at the population I serve and I look at their health, it just breaks my heart. Um, Prior to the pandemic, I was serving a seniors group and we had a weekly ministry and part of their like go-to time was talking about their health. Like they would call it story time. Like we're having story time. Mm-hmm. And what they would share is like all their health concerns. And then I look at it and I go, wow. Like, and you look around the room, 
most of them have um, high blood pressure. Like part, part of our ministry, like everyone took their blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Like we took blood pressures every week. They would all do that. And they would talk about like all their medications that they were on. Mm-hmm. And it just broke my heart just to hear like everything they face and like the challenge, like and seeing the challenges they have, like the older population deciding between medication and food. Mm-hmm. Like, like, am I going to eat or am I going to pay for this medication? Well, if we know with many of those things, if we can get them eating well, mm-hmm. they wouldn't need the me- some of those medications. Yeah. Or in our, our ministry with our kids, like, they would come to us for like summer programs and we would um, utilize the school feeding programs and see what they're being served. And these are our young kids. Like they don't, most of them don't have health conditions yet. And you go, this is like, it's just eye opening. You're like, but then I look at the barriers that their parents are facing. They're struggling to figure out childcare and, and, and everything else. And then you throw in a pandemic and they're trying to figure out how to school their children. And so they're relying on what they have. And like, it's, it's changed my approach and like realizing when I'm in charge of feeding and when I'm doing the cooking, like trying to find ways, like, cause at one time, like I'm very guilty of like, I want, I love to bake. I, I want to show my love by making yes. them something or whatnot. And then you go, but really that's what they get all the time. <laughs> they get the, the unprocessed. For me, like if I have cake every once in a while, that's not going to be like a deal breaker. But these kids are probably getting that all the time. And so like when I cook for them, like trying to be more mindful of like, hey, like I'm feeding them. Like let's at least get some real food into them and giving, showing them what it means to eat um, food and not just chicken nuggets or, or, or cheeseburgers or things like that. And so. And it just really opened my eyes up to like the lack of opportunities Mm -hmm. our underserved populations have. And it's like, yeah, like we all say exercise and move and eat well, but when you're making the decision between paying your light bill Mm -hmm. or, um, or like childcare, like you, you're not going to choose a gym membership, let alone like you would need childcare to go to said gym mm-hmm. or do things. So like, it just like, it's a, like I want my ministry long-term to be one where I can provide those opportunities and, and the spaces we have to like offer, oh, let's do, we can do a, an adult um, fitness class while, um, when, while their kids are still in our after school programs or things like that. And so, and thankfully some of our, uh, I was talking to a colleague recently and their facility is doing, starting to do those things. They, they have programs where it's offering like uh, reduced income payments for gym, offering like free memberships and providing their kids with another opportunity um, at the same time. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, it is very eye-opening, I think, just to see, you know that there's so many barriers, but I'm sure in the work that you do and and working with the population that you are, you're seeing how, you know, it's like you said, you can do hard things, but some things are really, really hard and you really have to get creative and 
and be able to provide more opportunities or help people overcome these obstacles like you are. It's really, that's really amazing. It's like constantly like running a race and someone like throwing like bricks at you, like (laughs) dodging them. Like you, you, yes, you can do hard things, but (laughs) sometimes you just get tired of, of, of trying. What helps you keep going when you feel so overwhelmed or so like your, your back's up against a wall with so many of these things? I, for me, like I've built a good team around me. I move every three to five years. And with that, like you feel a little lost when you come into a community and yes, like finding, like being a part of a CrossFit gym and getting to know people like immediately is very helpful. But I've also like learned to build um, a team around me that aren't necessarily here with me. Um, I, I work with a nutrition coach um, who is more of a health coach and a mindset person to help keep me on, on, on track and help remind me of things I, I've told myself, um, call me out on my, <laughs> on my behaviors and, or just having like former um, coaches from different gyms who I've built good relationships with to, to talk with. And like, cause, and I do have, and I do have like my core group of friends who like have been with me through thick and thin, but like I all I do have to be mindful and keep some people who are like health and wellness focused. Um, I have, and now I'm slowly building my team of people who also are um, spiritually also encourage me in the same way, um, and it, who can talk my language to me. Like it's great when some, I have a, a dear friend who like recently I had a I I panicked about Corona. <laughs> Like we've all, we've all had those panic moments, I think (laughs) this year. And we were talking and she was able to use, like, she made a spiritual analogy of like deadlifting. Mm. Like you're talking my language to me. Like, so like having that, like those people in my corner who, who speak my language and can encourage me along the way. That's, that's what keeps me going when those bumps in the road come. That's so huge. That's so huge. Um, so before we get to the three questions I ask always at the end of the podcast, um, any advice, if you could go back and tell maybe your 12 year old self or your 10 year old self, I don't know, some advice, what would you say? And then what advice would you give someone who maybe is listening now, who is thinking that they need to start making some changes, but doesn't know where to start? I think I would tell 12 year old Carrie that it's okay to be Carrie. Like it's, you don't have to hide um, who you are. Um, people love you for who you are. And those who don't, that those aren't the important people um, that there's never a reason to hide behind the weight or anything. I love that. And then I think for like all my friends who are struggling to like find where to get started, just do something. Just find something to mot- like something you love. Like it, it does does not have to be CrossFit. Mm-hmm. I love CrossFit, and I would love if you love CrossFit too, so we could talk that language together. But just find something. Just start like baby steps. Like it that will you'll be far more successful just by taking baby steps instead of 
trying to do everything all at once and thinking Mm -hmm. it's all going to work. I had a great teacher in med school who always used to say action before motivation. Like you're not going to feel motivated all the time, but a lot of times if you take just a tiny step, some small action, then you start to get motivated and you start to say, okay, I did that. Maybe I can do a tiny bit more and yeah, builds on itself. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So three questions. (laughs) First one, what are the three things that you do now on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? I think definitely moving daily. Um, And depending on what season of life I'm in at the time, that movement looks a little bit different. Um, But whether it's ideal, ideal is like doing a class Mm -hmm. or, um, or even just going for a walk. I love, I love walking. Mm-hmm. It's just finding something to do every day to move my body. Um, usually, even when I don't want to do it, like I think I don't want to do it. Once I do it, it feels great. And I usually do that first thing in the morning. I get up, work out. Um, it sets the tone for my entire day. Um, people have been known to go, you didn't work out today, did you? <laughs> no. How, 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 how do you know? Um, so, and then meal planning, I find I'm far more successful <laughs> when I meal plan. Like before I write my grocery list, um, before I make the list, I sit down and I, I, I write out my meals for the week and plan those out. That way, A, you save money when yeah. you meal plan. You don't, um, you don't, well, nowadays I, I do the good old online shopping but like, even when you're wandering the store, like you're less likely to pick up random things. Like if you stick to your plan in your list and I'm less likely to resort to cookies and cake. If I'm like, if I have stuff prepared in the fridge or stopping by Chick-fil-A on the way home. So true. Especially when things get busy, it's easier to do that. So I find that like meal planning has to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I think taking time daily for myself, um, just finding some quiet time in the day, um, whether it's for um, prayer, meditation, um, journaling. Me, a good long bath is a great way for me to relax. Just finding something at the end of the day to do for myself um, because I tend to have that problem that most people in my field have. Like we give to others and we forget to give to ourselves and we think we can pour from an empty cup. So finding those moments to um, fill that up. So, so important. I love all three of those. What's one thing that you think would have an impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or something you haven't started doing yet? If I could kick the sugar addiction, (laughs) (laughs) we'd be golden. I love to bake. And I'm experimenting more with like... um, better options but yeah like my birthday was this weekend (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i did i didn't eat cake for all three meals of the day so we're making progress but yeah i i i suffer from the sugar addiction it's very comforting as i think most people do that's how we're wired Uh, yes but like you said there's a difference between doing it for special occasions like your birthday versus all day every day all day every day yeah so but like I, I'm that person. I would choose cake for a meal over like protein and vegetables. Like, let's be real. And so, like, just working on retraining my brain to like, okay, let's crave the things that fuel your body. 
just like, how do you feel after that cake? Not so great. Yeah, well, that's a great practice. Just thinking about like, yeah, checking in. How do you feel? How does it impact the rest of your day? All of those things. Yeah. Brings a lot of awareness to it. All right. Last question is, what does a healthy life look like to you? This is the hard one. <laughs> um, for me, I think it's, it's being able to fuel my body and to, to do the things that I feel called to do. And for me, that's to love and serve others. And for me, so for me, a healthy life is one where I can do that for as long as possible. And the way I get to that goal is by moving my body daily and, and, and fueling it properly. Beautiful. I love it. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you. Yes. So much for sharing your whole story and being so open and vulnerable with everyone here. I think that, you know, I know I can really on different levels. I know that a lot of people listening will be able to relate to various aspects of your story. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. As always, I will recap some of my biggest takeaways after the conversation. My first one was about just doing something, taking a baby step to get started. It can seem so overwhelming to make a change, whether it's starting to exercise, making a change to your diet, going to bed earlier, or even decreasing time spent on your phone or social media. But no matter what your goals are, just taking the first baby step can help and then snowball into motivation to do even more, just as Carrie illustrated here. My second takeaway was about how it's not a straight path. Carrie talked about how she has had many ups and downs in her weight and fitness journey, for example, when she was under a lot of stress and academic pressure while in seminary, or even now while she's recovering from an injury. But she reminds us that it's not what happens in one chapter that's important. It's about the whole book and the whole journey. And it was amazing to hear her reflect on how far she's come since she started this journey and what she's learned about herself that has nothing to do with her weight at all. My third takeaway was about how community really is key. Carrie talks about how when she was finally able to join a CrossFit affiliate, being surrounded by a community invested in healthy living has made all the difference for her. She also works really hard to bring healthy living into the communities that she supports in her ministry as well. It's so much easier to live a healthy lifestyle when we are surrounded by others who are on this path with us. I hope you had some great takeaways from this episode too. 